Well, good morning. Uh, it's a pleasure to get to come back up here and uh, speak with you today and share God's Word. And uh, I wish I was standing up here under different circumstances. Uh, I wish, I wish the, everyone was here. I wish Brother Richard was just going on vacation and uh, not stuck in quarantine. Uh, I've been there myself with me and my family, and it, uh, it's not fun. Uh, you get really stir-crazy by the, uh, about halfway through it. So. I talked to uh, them this morning, and he had texted me, and uh, Mary Beth says she's ready to get out. She's about to go crazy, and uh, she needs some sunshine. So, But uh, they're they're doing well, and uh, uh, we uh, pray for you, brother. We, our thoughts and prayers are with you, and we, we miss you. So I just wanted you to know that. Um, uh, same as the rest of our congregation. You know, we got we got a lot of people out right now sick with, with, with the virus and, and other ailments, and uh, we just wanna, want you all to know that we're praying for you all, too, and we pray for you all to be back here soon. All right, uh, before we get started, I'd like for us to, to bow our heads and go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we, we ask your blessing upon this service, Lord. Lord, may our worship in this place bring honor to you and a blessing to us here. Lord, we thank you for your saving grace and for you allowing us to be in your presence this morning. Lord, I would ask that you would be with my brothers and sisters that are not able to be with us this morning. Give them healing. Lord, give them safety. Lord, as I begin to give your message, Lord, I just pray that you would hide me behind your cross this morning so that the people can hear your message and not my words, Lord. Amen. All right, well, uh, if you have your Bibles today, we're going to be... Uh, we're going to be in Mark chapter 1. Uh, it's going to be verses uh, 16 to 20 is what we're going to start in. And um, if you remember last Sunday when uh, Brother McLaren came, he, he talked about the disciples. He talked about uh, what God had placed on his heart. And uh, that's where I kind of want to look at today. I want to start with that. Is, uh, God calling these men to be fisher of men. So, if we read on in Mark chapter 1, verse 16 through 20, it says, Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets, and they followed him. And going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, John, his brother, who were in the boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. Here we can see the calling of Jesus' first disciples. Now, I don't know if these brothers, when they first uh, saw Jesus, I don't know if they weren't catching anything at the time. Uh, I don't know if they were just tired of the life they were in, they were ready for something new. Um, but whatever it was, when Jesus walked up, they saw something in him. Uh, they saw something that they couldn't live without. They saw something that, that he had that they desired. But what was it about this man Jesus that caused such a curiosity to, to stir inside them? What caused them to want to leave everything they had behind? 
today, would you be willing to do that? Would, would you be willing to follow Jesus? To just leave your old life behind and start a new one? We're all called by Jesus in the same manner. Just because this was 2,000 years ago, it doesn't, it doesn't make a difference. Uh, Jesus called me the same way. He called some of you the same way. We don't have to currently give up our physical jobs, our, our lifestyle that we know necessarily to follow God today like they did. But we are called to spiritually follow him. To leave behind our old sinful life and follow him in a new life that was provided by the sacrifices that he made. When we're called, uh, if I was a, when I stand up here before you, even though I was called by God, I don't, I don't know if I if I feel worthy to be the one talking to you. I don't know if I feel worthy to be the one behind this pulpit giving someone else a message. I don't, I don't know if I'll ever feel that, that I'm worthy enough to stand up here and do that. But I do know this: I know that God tells me that I am, even when I can't see it. There's no limits that we can put on God. God is limitless. He can do anything with anybody. If we look throughout the Bible, we can see story after story of God using people who were leading sinful lives, horrible things, but he looked upon them and he saw the potential in them. He saw what no one else could. John, 20, John 2, 24 tells us that Jesus knew all people. He knows what's in a man's heart. He knows what's in my heart, and he knows what's in your heart. John 3, 16 says that God for so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. I want to tell you something this morning. God made you. He knows you. He knows your heart. He knows the most intimate details about you because he created you. And despite everything that he knows about us, through all of that, he sees who you could be. He sees what you're capable of. And despite all that, he still loves you. Is that not amazing? That no matter what we do, that God still loves us no matter what. If we look throughout the pages of the Bible, there's some examples we can follow of, of people that were just like you and I. Some of them even sound a little worse when you read about them. As you can sit back and say, well, I ain't never murdered nobody. I ain't never committed adultery. But God took some of these lowly people and did some amazing things with them. If we look at Moses, he murdered an Egyptian. He fled to the wilderness to avoid being executed. He attempted to avoid God's direction with excuses of poor speaking. I can relate to that one. Sometimes I get my words mixed up. Kind of dyslexic a little bit. He didn't even do what God asked him. He struck the rock instead of speaking to it. He didn't follow directions. He got angry in the desert multiple times. He even broke the first set of commandments that God inscribed with his own finger. 
the very first edition of the Ten Commandments. He broke them. And yet God used Moses. He physically spent time with Moses. Moses got to physically talk straight to God. And he honored Moses when Moses pleaded for him not to destroy the people because of their sin. If we look at King David, King David stayed home when he should have been with his troops. He watched a woman from a rooftop and he lusted after her. He committed adultery with her. And then he went on to have her husband Uriah abandoned in a battle to die. And that's just among some things. Yet God used this man in a mighty way. God saw what he could become. And God even labeled him himself a man after God's own heart. Peter was a quick-tempered man. That didn't always serve him very well. Matter of fact, he even denied knowing Jesus Christ himself that he walked with, that he loved three times. He was rebuked by Paul for his hypocrisy and refusing to associate with the Gentiles. He didn't even associate with the Gentiles at this point after God had even given this man a vision about including the Gentiles. Yet despite all these flaws, Christ saw the hidden potential in him and he used him in a mighty way as well. He went on to write several of the books that encourage us even today. Lastly, if we look at Paul, Paul was a character, wasn't he? His Christian walk didn't start out real well. He approved of the stoning of Stephen, who would later be one of his brothers in Christ. He even hunted down Christians so he could bind them, put them in chains, bring them to the authorities so they could be tortured and murdered. He had a difficult time even, even after he was, was a Christian. He, he had a difficult time even working on missionary uh, on a mission with, with Barnabas. Uh, they had a conflict over Mark. Despite all his shortcomings, though, God called him a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. And God used Paul is probably one of the greatest evangelists the world's ever seen. I could go on and on about messed up people in the Bible that God called and used, but despite their faults, their sins, their flaws, God used them for his glory. I'm here to tell you that he can also use you the same way, just like he used them. The only thing we're asked to do is have a little faith And ask God to save us. I've often wondered when I read this about the disciples, what caused these men, these lowly fishermen, to want to just give up their life to follow Jesus. They gave up their jobs, they gave up their families, all the comforts that they were used to. But when I got to thinking about this, the answer might not 
be as simple as I thought. Uh, it, it might not be what they saw in Jesus. It might be what Jesus saw in them. He saw them through their faults, their flaws, and most importantly, their imperfections. He saw what no one else could, and he saw what they could become. Let's face it, we live in a very sinful world nowadays. If you don't believe that, I challenge you to turn on a television or, or open a magazine or get on the internet. What's becoming of this world, uh, there's things 10, 20 years ago that were unimaginable. Nowadays, we don't have a problem killing an unborn child that is helpless and defenseless. And that's wrong. We're all imperfect people. We're full of flaws. We're living in a chaotic world. But I'm here to tell you that no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you're at in your life, Jesus can look through all of that. He can see who you become because he made you and he has a purpose for you. I wish that I could stand up here and tell you that if you were at this moment to walk down here and give your life to Christ, that you're magically going to transform into this perfect person. But you're not. If I told you that, I'd be telling you a lie. There's not one of us in this church that can claim that title. You'll never be able to claim that title as long as you're breathing air. There's only been one man that could claim that. You don't instantly become a perfect person just because you gave your life to Christ. It's a process. It's what we call sanctification. And it's something that those of us that have come to know the Lord, we have to battle with every day. It's not easy. But that's what we're called to do. We're not called to be perfect. We're called to follow God. We're to walk as He walked. And we're to become more and more like Him a little bit each day. Not all at one time. Luke 9.23 says this. He said, to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Have you made that commitment? Do you yourself have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus? Are you denying yourself every day to become more and more like him? I pray that you have. We get so little time on this earth And I look at it, some of us is not that far off. I'm over halfway there if I'm lucky. Don't wait till the last minute to decide that you want to follow Jesus. As we move on, I want to, I want to fast forward a little bit. We looked at the calling of the disciples, but I, I want to jump and I want to look where the disciples are in their ministry a little bit. I want to I kind of see what's going on since they have decided to follow the Lord. 
because I want you to see that no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, even the disciples themselves that walked with Jesus had imperfections and they weren't perfect people. So we're going to move to Mark chapter 6, verse 30 to 34, and look at what's become of these fishermen of men who were called. Now before I read our scripture, our scripture here, there's, there's a little bit of gap that I just jumped. There's, there's quite a lot that went on, and, and I know that. Uh, there's not just a couple disciples, there's, there's, they've added quite a bit to their number here. Uh, Jesus has been teaching and preaching along the way. He's done, he's done a lot of things. Great crowds are gathering to follow the Lord. They want to be healed. In fact, we can kind of get a glimpse of, of some of Jesus' preaching, uh, how he taught in parables in Mark 4. He even has calmed a storm. He showed the disciples some of his grand and great power that he had, his authority, that even the wind and the waves obeyed him. So he's even went back to his hometown, and his hometown even rejected him. You know, when I think about that, your hometown rejecting you, I can relate to that in a way that it's hard for us to share Christ to those that are closest to us. And the reason that is is because those that are closest to us, they know us better. They, they knew who we used to be. They see the old us. They have a hard time seeing the new us, the new one that's born again. So it's, sometimes it's hard to, to share with your family your faith. It's hard to be the one to do that. You know, and, and I think that's what Jesus battled in his hometown when they, when they didn't accept him. They saw the little boy that ran around in the streets. They saw the carpenter's son. But they couldn't see who he really was. They couldn't see what he was going to become. So the 12 disciples, they've been sent out to do the work of the ministry here. Uh, we're going to pick up. Jesus has instructed them on what to do, what not to do, what to take, what not to take. And they're on their way back. This is when they're coming back from their mission trip, if you want to say. Uh, Jesus sent them out two by two. So that's where we're going to pick up here, starting in verse 30. Mark chapter 6, verse 30 to 34. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourself to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. They went away in a boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them coming and going and recognized them. And they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When they went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. For most of us in here, we've been tired, worn out, mentally and physically at some point in our life, in our service to the church. Uh, maybe you're the only one at your job that knows how to do what you do. And, and you just feel the weight of, your, of the world on your shoulders. 
but we all get tired at some point. We need some recharge time, some rest. We often need to be filled up the way that we've been pouring out. We're teachers, preachers, moms, dads, aunts, uncles, grandmas, grandpas. We get tired. Life's very busy. And this is what Jesus is supposed to offer his disciples is some rest, a time away, a retreat. In verse 31, he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while, for many were coming and going, and they had no leisure, not even to eat. This rest that Jesus is talking about has three things embedded in it. First, it was alone. It was away from the crowds. It was away from the hustle and bustle that these guys had been in. And it was away. It was to a different place than where they were. And most importantly, it was with Jesus. You know, if we look at that, that's a picture that us as Christians should follow. We should go away to a silent place, alone, so we can have our time with Jesus. This is a habit that we should get into ourselves every day. You know, we should, we should spend that time. But why, why would it be important to spend alone time with God anyway? Because God is a relationship. And all relationships take time. A relationship with God, even though it might be different than your best friend or, or your family member, is still based on the same principles. It's still based on a relationship. And it's no different than a husband or a wife or, or a father and a, and a son, a mother and a daughter spending time together. That's how we get to know the people that we love. That's how we understand who they are is by spending alone time with them, right? You know, we can't, we can't, you can't get the same feeling, you can't get the same knowledge that you can in a group setting as when you're alone with someone. Secondly, God desires it. God desires a long time with us. He wants a personal relationship with you. He created you. He knows every detail about you. When you think about that, it kind of seems one-sided, don't it? Like, he knows everything about us, but if we're not coming to him, we're not learning anything about him. But that's where he invites you. He wants you to come to him. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to get to know you. He wants you to know him. And the last thing is allows us to hear him. Spending a long time with God in a quiet place rids our mind of distractions. We're in a world where there's distractions everywhere. And most of the distractions around us are designed to pull us away from God, not take us to God. It's designed to take our attention to any other place than God. So this is the kind of rest that, that Jesus is talking about. He's talking to his disciples. 
I know you guys are tired. So Jesus is trying to do a good thing here for them. He knows they're tired. He knows they're hungry. He knows they're worn out from their trip. They've been out spreading his message. And he understands what they're feeling. Because even though Jesus was God, he still had human attributes to him. He knows what it means to be hungry. He knows what it means to be tired, to be sleepy. He felt these things. So now he wants to take them away so they can have this alone time, this time of rest. Have you ever been so exhausted you know you're going to have trouble the next day? Like you get a call or an email from work and you know exactly how tomorrow is going to be before you walk in the door. Y'all ever experienced that? I have. This is kind of how the disciples are feeling in this moment when they see these crowds running. They know what's coming. But when Jesus saw these people, he had compassion on them, for they were like sheep without a lost shepherd. Not a lost shepherd, excuse me. A sheep without a shepherd. Keep in mind that the disciples had so much going on here. They've been so busy. They didn't have time to stop at the McDonald's before they got in the boat to go to their desolate place. Have you ever been that, that busy that, that you look up and time's just gone? You couldn't even take a break, couldn't eat? Time just slipped away? So the disciples here, here they are. They came straight in from doing ministry. They're ready to tell Jesus about all the things that they've seen and done in his name while they were out on the mission field. And Jesus says, Come on, boys. Y'all get in the boat. We're going on a retreat. We get over there. We're going to have a barbecue. Get you guys fed. But on the way, can you imagine what the disciples were experiencing when they saw these crowds running to where they were going, to their quiet place. This was a time when the disciples did not want to be recognized. They didn't want anybody to notice them. Right? They wanted their alone time. Some of y'all might know what I'm talking about. You ever not wanted to be recognized? Oh, yeah, you have. I'm going to give you some examples because I'm sure some of you are guilty of this. Have you ever been to Walmart? You get your buggy. You go in. You're pushing it. You're just going to be in there just a minute. You know what you want. You're, already, you're going to get it and get out. You get your buggy. You make that corner and you slam on the brakes. There they are. There's a person at the other end of that, that aisle and you're like, Man, I, I hope they didn't see me. You start backing up because you don't want to be recognized because you know if they see you, you're going to be there two hours talking to them. So, so you back up and you, you, you ease on without them seeing you. Y'all know what I'm talking about because I'm sure some of you are guilty of it. I'm guilty of it. <laughs> Sometimes we're in a hurry and we don't want to spend a lot of extra time talking, right? What about, uh, what about if you're at red light? You ever been at a red light and you, you see that car right there? They're, they're at that red light already and you're pulling up. And you ease up there, and you get right in their blind spot because you, you don't want to have to acknowledge or wave at this person, 
right? You're that tired. You just don't want to even, even talk to them, wave at them, nothing. So you, you stay in that blind spot right there. Any of y'all guilty of that? Yeah, I see a few smiles, so probably so. I like to do that with state troopers. I get right there. That way they don't see I ain't got my seatbelt on at the moment, you know. I'm guilty of that, too. Got a speeding ticket, uh, speed seatbelt ticket last, last month, by the way. So, didn't work out for me that time. <laughs> all right, so the disciples, they, they don't want to be recognized here. They're, 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 they see all these people running. They're beating them to the place they're headed to. But Jesus sees them, has compassion on them. Uh, so when they get to the place, Jesus begins teaching and preaching to this crowd. He doesn't make the disciples do it. He knows what they're feeling. He does it himself. But as the disciples are sitting over here listening, their minds are twirling. They're still, they're still kind of aggravated about the whole thing, that, that this crowd is in their spot. They're in their spot where they're supposed to be hanging out with Jesus. So when Jesus gets done, we see the crowd standing there, and here comes the disciples. All right, that's enough. You done, you done preached the whole sermon, Jesus. You, you done talked about all the books of the Bible to these people. That's enough. This is a desolate place. The hour is late. It's, it's time for them to go. And that's what the disciples, the, the disciples are saying, we intended this to be for us. Now it's time for them to go. This is our time. So the disciples come back from their ministry tour. They're tired, they're beat up, they're worn out. All they want to do is have some alone time with Jesus, right? This wasn't even their idea. This was Jesus' idea to go on this retreat. But the problem is, is when the disciples say, send them away. What do you, what do, you do when you get to the point you don't want to share Jesus with somebody? I mean, let's be honest, the, the disciples are not in the mood to share their personal time with Jesus with people that don't want Jesus for the same reasons they do. Most of these people are running up because they just want a quick healing. They got an ailment, they, they want something, they, they don't want the same thing the disciples want. The disciples want alone time, they want, they want to be fed, right? They want the advanced lesson. But why are these crowds coming? Jesus already told us. They're like a bunch of lost sheep without a shepherd. They want to be healed. But the disciples are just angry about the whole situation. You can just kind of sense the, the frustration and the aggravation of the disciples in this text here. Y'all know how we can get when we ain't eating in a while, right? I can get that way when I ain't eat after a while. You ever seen them Snickers commercials? You're not you when you're hungry? I watched a few of these on YouTube the other day. There was a pretty funny one with, uh, I think it was Betty White. She's out playing football, and, and uh, they tackle her, knock her in the mud. She gets up, she's complaining, and, and they're like, here, eat a Snickers. You're not you when you're, when you're hungry. But what happens when all we care about is our needs and our alone time with Jesus. It blinds us of having compassion for the same people that we've been called to minister to. 
These, these people, this crowd that is gathered are no different than the people they've been out on mission to. But now they're saying, send them away. What happens when all you think about is what you have done in the body of Christ? What happens when you think about all that your needs are? And what you think is most important? It's robbing you of your compassion for other people. If we look back in Mark chapter 1, verse 36, uh, what do we see the disciples doing? The disciples are looking for Jesus themselves. See, Jesus has gotten up early in the morning. He's gone off to a quiet place to pray to his Father. So he's missing. And the disciples kind of get worried, and they're running around looking for him. And when they find him, they're like, Hey, man, where you, where you been? Everybody's looking for you. It wasn't just them looking for him. They're talking about the crowds. The crowd of people are looking for him. They're, they're looking for him. Everybody's wanting Jesus. Back then, they're looking for him. But if we fast forward now to, to Mark chapter 6, they're hollering, send these people away. What happened between Mark 1 and Mark 6 to make their attitude change? You see, they got into ministry. That's the difference. Now they're behind the scenes. Now they're the ones doing the work. And it's tiresome. Ministry's not easy. It's not easy when, when you're the one having to do everything, when you're the one out working with the children down here and no one's helping. It's not easy if you're the one setting the chairs up every day. It's not easy... If you're the one at the food bank, it's not easy if you're the one out in the community serving. But God never said it would be easy. It takes work. That's what we are called to do as Christians, is to serve. We are to serve those that are lost in a world that offers nothing for them but destruction. To those that think they are imperfect and undesirable, because let me tell you something, they are desirable. Jesus desires these people. Jesus desires the lost, just like he desired you at one point in your life. Jesus is trying to tell us here that he wants us to see beyond the things in our life. He wants us to see beyond what we think is best. And that's what he's telling the disciples here. He's saying, guys, I know y'all did great things in my name. I know y'all did a lot out there on missionary. You know, but look beyond that. Look beyond being tired. He's saying look beyond. See, the disciples, they got the ministry, they got the power, they got the authority that Jesus gave them. They have physically spent time with him, but in this moment, they're lacking compassion for other people, the people they've been called to minister to. Don't let the pride of what you have done and what your needs are get in the way of you having compassion for the same people that you've been called to minister to. Out of compassion flows love, unity, forgiveness, kindness, and humility. If we're truly being compassionate people, we would show love to one another. We'd show kindness to one another as well as the people that we've been called to minister to, not just sometimes, but all the time. 
We've got to look beyond what we do and what we think is best. Because God's kingdom is not about us. That's exactly what it is. It's about Him and His glory. As we've seen today, even the closest followers of Jesus had imperfections. They had flaws, and they made mistakes. But Jesus knew their hearts, and he knew what they would become. I want to tell you today, brothers and sisters, Jesus knows your heart, and he's waiting on you to become what he's created you to be. And that's perfection. Perfection in a life with him. As I go to the Lord in prayer, and I ask uh, for the music to come up, if you don't know Jesus, you've never given your life to him, I invite you to come down here and pray. let me pray with you. If, you, if you've ever given your life to Christ and, and you just know that you're not in a place that you need to be, you know that you're not, not living where you should be, come down here and pray with me. Come pray at the altar. Ask God to forgive you. Tell God that you love him. You know you're not a perfect person. We're imperfect people. But we can be made perfect in the Lord Jesus Christ. All we got to do is ask him. Have faith in your heart and ask him to come to you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you today, Lord, and we just thank you for this message that you've given us, Lord. Lord, we thank you for the disciples. We thank you for the lives that they lived and the, the amazing things that you've done with them, Lord. Lord, we thank you for the examples that they show us that, that even though they walked with you, Lord, they weren't always perfect. They were human beings just like the rest of us. Lord, I pray today that if anybody here, if anybody uh, on Facebook that is hearing this message, Lord, if, if they're struggling, Lord, I pray that you would just be with them, Lord. Guide them, Lord. Guide their heart to you. Lord, I pray that you'll lift them up spiritually. Lord, we thank you for all that you've done for us, Lord. We thank you for the grace that you've bestowed upon us. I just ask you again, Lord, to be with those that are sick, those that want to be healed, Lord, that need to be healed. Just bring them back to this place, Lord. We thank you for everything you've done, Lord. We ask all these things in your blessed name. Amen.